What's up? What's up, Podcast World? Chat Belding back at you. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm fired up for today's episode. I'm excited for y'all to hear what our guest today has to say. She is a, uh, a true mentor, a true leader, a true voice in our outdoor world, in family life, in country living, in being a provider, living off the land, eating wild game, hunting, fishing. You wrap it all into one and you have Miss Eva Shockey. Eva, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. How's everything going? Are you down in Carolina? We are. Yeah, we live right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. It's gorgeous here. It's like 80 degrees and <laughs> I don't know, somehow turned right into summer. Nice. Um, I, I've been watching quite a bit of you. you. You were part of the new launch of the Traeger app and you you part of Team Traeger and you seem to have a pretty good hold on the cuisine that you want to prepare for your family. I assume that a lot of it's wild game, but give me an idea and the listeners an idea of what you've really been throwing down with. I saw some chocolate chip cookies. What else are you doing on the Traeger today? <laughs> Literally everything. We we use our Traeger probably five days a week and I have for years now. I think I got one maybe four years ago and it's been an ongoing, we definitely cook a lot of our meat on it because my husband does not like to cook and on the Traeger, he literally cannot ruin anything. So every single time we, we cook a grill out, he uses the Traeger and is like so impressed with himself, which I am totally fine with. Um, and then plus right now when everyone's home during this craziness, nice to not mess up the kitchen and have extra stuff to clean up. So we basically just been everything you can cook in an oven is going on the Traeger right now. There's just no ovens involved. What are some of your personal favorites that you've come across lately? Um, my daughter loves to help me and it's hard to let her help with meat just because it's raw, obviously, and she wants to like touch it and flick her fingers. So I've been cooking things that she can help with. So we've been making cookies and banana bread and all the stuff that just keeps us in good shape during this quarantine and <laughs> see, helps us gain 20 pounds before it's over. <laughs> so speaking of gaining 20 pounds, and I've heard that kind of consistently across the board with the quarantine and the Corona, um, you, you, you you have always been able to share your fitness and your training and that way of life as well. Talk to me a little bit about how important it is with your preparation, your men, your mental preparation and, and how are you, are you a detailed person to where you have a notebook? Are you old school and you write it down? Is everything in your iPhone? Assuming you don't have a Blackberry. I know you're from Canada. I don't know if they have iPhones up there yet, but what, how does Eva Shockey keep her day? Because I mean, like you have so many titles, so many responsibilities. And then on top of that, you're a wife, a mother of two, you just built a new house. Is it what, how important is organization and how do you approach your day? I, if there's like a scale from one to a hundred, I'm like 110 and organized. There is no, there's no gray area. There's like, I've got notepads, everything. I've got like, these are daily with little check boxes. I have, I use all kinds of different online platforms for organizing like Slack and Asana and I have a team. So we all work remote, especially, well, they're remote anyways, but right now we're all <laughs> working from home. So everyone filters their information here and make sure that everything's sort of like ongoing and organized. Um, I think I've always been organized, but the more busy I've gotten, the more I've realized I just cannot keep it together unless everything has a system. Otherwise it just, I keep it in my head and I feel like my head's going to explode. So, um, I live like that, but it's so funny because my husband, is the polar opposite. Like there couldn't be a less organized human <laughs> and we just don't understand each other. Like we don't know how each other functions because I mean, he just goes by the seat of his pants and everything works out. And I go by like the most organized thing ever. And it seems to work out too. So, um, to each their own, but yeah, there's, 
I have notes everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's notes in my phone, on my computer, on my desk. <laughs> That's you, how I work. Have you, are you too, are you bullheaded or have you ever thought of maybe a personal assistant or are you, are you just not into that as far as like giving a lot of these tasks to keep you organized and to keep your, you know, maintenance going as far as your schedule goes and you're traveling, obviously you're not traveling right now, but a lot of times you're traveling as well. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely, well, bullheaded a little bit. I'm just, uh, I would say perfectionist. So that's hard to delegate um, some of the jobs. However, I would love a personal assistant, but since it's a very small business and it's just me as like, like the brand, um, I have to really choose what I need the most help with. And for me, I have with like my content creation um, and partnerships and stuff like that. So only being able to hire a couple people ahead to really be strategic. So at this moment in time, I do not have a personal assistant, but with everything going on, it actually worked out well that way because I have more time to make sure I'm organized. And then the girls that are experts at their jobs, they help me with the stuff that I'm not so good at. So, I mean, for the time being, that's, that's how it's going. And I'm just every day so grateful to have work and have an awesome career and so many amazing people that I just talk to every day. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it's a career that obviously you work very hard. You're very good at it. You're well suited for it. Um, your family, it's no secret that how successful your dad has been and how influential he has been in the outdoors and the messaging from any of his partners to NRA to SCI. Um, you know, Jim Shockey is a, a great ambassador and you have become, and I was I wanted to touch on, is there pressure on Eva Shockey with the responsibility that you take on as this woman, woman that is so influential to so many girls of so many different ages. I've seen your meet and greet lines. I've seen how people react to you. Girls want to read your book. They want it signed. And so do guys, but I'm specifically talking about young ladies. Is it ever a pressure? I know it's not a burden, but is it ever a pressure to have that responsibility to always be the voice of getting more people involved in the outdoors and having that mentorship quality that you, that you have? I think it's a really, really incredible opportunity and responsibility to have. I'm glad that I was sort of, um, I don't know if groomed is the right word, but I was just used to it. I was used to being in public. I didn't just fall into it like some people do and they have no idea what to do or how to handle it. Um, my dad has been in the public eye my whole life. We've had film crews around. I've traveled around to all the shows and like I've seen him do it for so many years. So being able to slowly transition into myself being a brand as well, um, sort of separated from my dad, but, you know, working together, but in my own little world, now that I have all the women and all the other people, it's really to be able to share that and try to spread that. And hopefully somebody will pick up on it and know that that might make their life just a little bit different and a little bit better. Um, so it's a, it's pressure in the sense, I guess, that I just know there's a lot of eyeballs on me, but I'm pretty confident that what I spread and what I talk about is positive. So there's really no, you know, I'm not too worried because <laughs> that's what I believe. And I live at 365 days a year. So there's it's not me pretending it's just who I am, which is always a good feeling at the end of the day. When I have these conversations with really, really good people, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of hunters that I, that I've been able to talk to through my network that don't have a lot of that don't share a lot of the same values that you do or I might um, ethics, um, honesty, respect of the resource, compassion for the animals, living off the land, all of these values that your dad and mom taught you, your grandma and grandpas who have been very storied over the course of the TV career of the Shockey family. 
But I also hear from individuals like, let's take Chad Mendez, for example, who is a mutual friend of ours. Um, he is a tough guy. He's a good fighter. He's proven that he can knock somebody out. He hunts and he puts these hunts and these dead animals that he's going to eat and his wild game recipes on his social media, on his YouTube. And even Chad Mendez, who could throttle somebody in the drop of a dime, still gets haters that will talk smack to him and degrade him and insult him. Does Eva Shockey get this with as good of a voice as you are, as well-maintained as you are, as ethical as you are, your family's reputation? Do you get hate mail? Do you get haters still with all the love you get? I know it's way more on the love side of the teeter-totter, but does Eva Shockey get hate mail and haters come in tuning in sometimes? I have gone through moments definitely in my career. And so I've been, I was thinking about the other day, I'm 32 and I got into it when I was 20. Like that was when I officially, this was my job, outdoor lifestyle that it's changed over the years, but essentially that's when I started and doing a lot of the social media stuff. So over the 12 years, it has gone up and down and ebbed and flowed just depending on the, the situation and the story and the current culture. Right this second, I will say it's probably the least I've ever got. And I really think it's because in the last couple of years, and it's kind of common sense, in the last couple of years, I've had two babies. <laughs> I've been a little busy being a mom. Um, we moved to North Carolina, built the house, all that stuff. And so my message is still like, I fill my freezer, I eat wild game, I source my own meat. I love that. But I also like, these are the other things I do. And I think it's been able to open people's eyes up like, oh, there's not a stereotype for who has to be a hunter. Who's not like, do I look like a hunter? I guess technically not, but do I hunt? Yeah. And I talk about it and I promote it. And I think that's great. I think in my earlier years, maybe also now I have a bit of a stronger voice and more confidence in my earlier years. It's like a early 20 something blonde, smiley girl that was on hunts. I was a target. I I had a big following. My dad had a bigger following. I was this young girl that I think people that didn't like hunting thought that they could get at easier than maybe a middle-aged man. And gosh, I mean, there were, it was crazy. It was crazy for a while. But again, that sort of back to your question of, is it, is there pressure? I just knew what I was spreading was such a good thing. I like, I knew that girls needed a voice and I knew that there are people out there that were so intimidated to try anything in the outdoors, fishing, hunting, camping, like just being part of it because they thought, Oh, I don't know anything about it. I'm too scared to go try. And I was there being like, I don't know anything about it. And I'm out here doing it. So you guys can do it too. And that's still kind of how I feel. And I, if I wouldn't have taken that heat, someone else would have. So why not take it and, you know, turn it into good. And I, I used it to fuel my message more than anything. Cause I've never been a big fan of being told what to do as far as like when you feel passionate about something, if someone's trying to trample on me, I'm, I've always probably turned the other direction and done it even more, which is good or bad. <laughs> but in this situation, I think it kind of worked out. I, I've been called controversial on a subject. And if you don't want to talk about this, you can just tell me, no, you have a lot of credibility as a ambassador and a voice in this space. And a lot of this is my opinion, but I think that the mass appeal would be Eva can hunt. Eva has been in the Yukon. Eva has set up camp. She's been on float planes. She's been in bush planes. She's been there, done that. She Now, granted, your dad is in the game and, and he mentored you and you said that you were kind of conditioned for it, which is fine. That means you had a mentor, which is a lot of the issue in our country that we take for granted of growing up in a hunting outdoor family. A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. 
Does it ever bother Eva Shockey to see the credibility that social media gains a pretty girl or a guy with six pack abs on a on an ad that might not necessarily have proven themselves in the field? They might not even know how to load that gun or shoot it. There has not been any credibility matched with the ability to gain likes, to gain followers, to gain the ability to create a revenue stream through social media ads and such. Does it ever get to you to where you have put in the time, and I compare it to Nashville, of a singer that comes up in the honky-tonks and finally makes it, and then somebody that just comes in and might have a big social media following, and they cut right in front of that line. Does it ever get to you, or does it ever take away the credibility that you have so worked hard to earn when you see so many people with a huge following on social media? And I think, and I'm just saying the controversial part might be because of the looks, and they're they're nice to look at, but do they really have that ability to go out and live off the land and have credibility? And I'm not saying that they don't, Eva. I'm just saying that the credibility was never put at the forefront before the following Mm -hmm. was there. Yeah, I think um, that has never been a something that I've concerned myself with. And here's why, because I mean, I came up because my dad had hunting shows. So I got a leg up right away. And that is something I've never tried to pretend didn't happen. Um, I think the difference is that if you handle it the right way and do it the right way, like I said, I've been around for 10 years now. So there was a lot of people that came up when I came up that are not around anymore because they didn't handle it properly. They didn't make the right decisions. And that sort of still applies today. There's lots of people out there that have big followings. I think at the end of the day, if somebody that has a social media page inspires other people to get outside because they're good looking holding a gun, I mean, I don't really care. That person's outside and they wouldn't have been otherwise. Maybe they don't like following my page because you know, they don't have kids or they don't have family or they're not interested in the content I'm putting out, but they're interested in somebody else. And if that somebody else is inspiring them to go out and fill their freezer or do something like that, we all really, at the end of the day, stand for, I don't really care. I think a lot of that stems from jealousy, which unfortunately, I mean, there's a lot of girls that I see on there and I'm like, they did the same honky tonk thing you're talking about. I'm like, I came up for years and they're like, boop. But at the end of the day, you know, it's okay. There's enough room. I think for everybody, there's enough space in the outdoors for different stances and for different positions from people to say, this is why I like the outdoors. I like the outdoors for me. Cause I go with my family. Someone else might say, I like the outdoors cause I wear my bikini and go hunting. And like, that's, that's okay. <laughs> you know, and someone else might get more of a kick out of that. So I think there's time for everybody to be involved and hopefully those people, if they make the right decisions and they, The thing is, it's a business once you get involved with it like that and you have to make smart choices and you have to be loyal and you have to respect brands and realize that this little industry of outdoor people is very small and you can burn bridges really easily. So I think just being smart and respectful goes a long way and hopefully they'll turn it into something that's incredible. If they can turn it into something that provides for their family or for themselves and lets them live a lifestyle in the outdoors that they love, like you know, might not be my personal taste, but I think there's lots of different (laughs) avenues you can go with that. I think there is. And I think that if you're hunting in a bikini and showing off your body, I think that first and foremost, that the importance has to be placed on the respect of the resource. And that's where I was kind of going with my prior statement was, do we really have an understanding of the culture of the hunter when it's so massively produced now on 
social media. There's content everywhere. And do we really, is there really that credibility being earned to where you do respect that resource and you know, you know, conservation efforts and you understand processing and butchering and, and the, in the ethical way to take care of that meat, to provide it for a family or for your friends in a bounty style table fair. I just look at it like a lot of it is put on. I'm cute. I got this kill. And that's it. And I'm just like, that's not what, that's not the messaging that I see. But I understand your stance too. Of like, as long as we're getting people in the outdoors, it's good. But we want those people to come into the space with the respect for that resource. So they do have longevity in it, right? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, I try to uh, stay in my lane a little bit, just as far as it's not my job to say that person doesn't go on and this person does and I'm better than like that. That's just, who knows? I mean, people, and I think maybe why I feel this way is that people over the years absolutely have said like Eva's just there because of her dad and heck yeah I'm here because of my dad we have a family business with I've been involved with it for pretty much my whole life so I understand that and I respect that but I think there's it's our job like I can't look at these other people and say you're not doing a good job I can say I need to do a better job and you need to do a better job and Traeger and Mountain Ops and all these other companies are so incredible like it's our job why not just do a better job at spreading the message rather than pull down people that you think aren't doing a great job? You know, like it's just, that's, I don't think that's ever a way to make the world or an industry do better is pointing fingers at everyone, just pointing them at yourself and say like, why don't I work harder? And why don't I start a new blog or why don't I start new um, posts or weekly live stories and teach people, you know, like, and I can't say I'm doing that personally right now either, but if that's something that bothers me, then I try to find if it's bothering me, what can I do to change that other than pointing fingers at somebody else? So w- with your, with your optimistic lo- outlook on, on everything in life, you have, you, you're very positive. You're a very positive influence. Does Eva Shockey experience downtimes? Do you get hurt? Do you get emotional when you see maybe your dad getting attacked for his political views? Or have you guys just learned that it is what it is. It's going to come with the territory and we have to just keep doing what you're doing of spreading the good word and always staying optimistic with our focus in our lane and focus forward and not really relishing on any of the negativity that can come out of it. Or does Eva Shockey go through periods to where she does get down and she needs a pick me up once in a while? Um, I think having a really strong support system is super helpful. I mean, I'm couldn't be more grateful obviously for my dad, not necessarily for the fact of what the family business he started, but just having him there as a bounce off to bounce ideas off. And if I have things going on with work, like he is my number one business person that I can talk to. I think cause he gets it. It's such a strange business. I can't really go to some mentor that's out in some other industry because they just wouldn't, the outdoor industry is like a very unique situation. Um, you know, it's hard. I think when I, before I was married, if I, when I was getting hate stuff about what I was doing, I honestly didn't really think that hard about it. But once I got married, which I mean, my husband's like Chad Mendes, he was a professional hockey player, like fighting and (laughs) being tough. And, but when people comment about him, that gets me like kind of riled up, which like, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Obviously he could take care of himself, but yeah, I think it's just human nature to feel a little bit um, defensive when it's about someone you care about. But for the most part, I think we're all fairly level-headed. My dad, myself, and my husband have all been, in public enough to know that people just, no matter what you do, you are not going to win. And that's at the end of the day. And I say, if I, everything crumbled down tomorrow, and honestly with today's climate, it literally could crumble down tomorrow. I just try to feel like what I feel like I did the best job I could do. 
And like, what else, you know, what else are you going to do? You support people that you support and you feel strongly about and do your best and (laughs) just hope that the world does not come crumbling down right in front of you. What about politically? Um, When you see your dad stepping out of the hunting realm and talking direct politics and his support for, he's a Canadian and he, he, everybody knows that. And he supports Donald Trump as president. He is personal friends with Donald Trump Jr., um, and if it's too personal, I completely understand. Are you on the same wavelengths as your dad when it comes to his stance on that being part of the family business and a voice of the shocky enterprises? Do you look at it the same or do you kind of stay in your lane on that and just stay a little bit more modest and quiet when it comes to your political views? And I understand that you've been on Fox News, which is historically or fundamentally a, you know, a conservative outlet and more geared towards the Republican Party. But do you really get boisterous like your dad does once in a while? And do you support the things that your dad says? Or do you kind of just be like, dad, kind of chill out a little bit? I definitely don't tell him to chill out because that is his platform and his brand. And he's worked his whole life to be able to have a voice. And I think he feels very strongly at this stage of his career, like if not now, then when, like, this is how I feel if I can change if I can influence people to see the other side of it, because obviously a lot of stuff is one-sided sometimes and that is his platform and he's worked so hard to get there to, to be able to do that. Personally, I'm not super politically inclined to voice that. I mean, I'm Canadian living in the States. I'm on a federal advisory committee um, for the Secretary of Interior and I sit on a board in Washington and we advise the secretary on ways that he could better conservation and recruitment and retention of hunters and outdoorsmen. So like things like that, I support more causes and I'm more vocal about the causes and what we can do to help those things. As far as political parties, I just, I mean, that's never going to be a a situation that I'm going to find myself in. It's not something I'm super well-versed in and it's not something I'm super interested in other than just supporting the things that I'm passionate about is it your passion that carries you through when you take on the responsibility of going on to a national outlet like Fox news, Fox and friends, Fox in the morning, you see Eva Shockey on there talking about the lifestyle and the culture. Is this well-prepared and well-scripted by you? Or can you walk into that studio, get hair and makeup done? Or does Eva Shockey show up in hair and makeup and you're ready to go and you just sit down in that chair and boom, you've been conditioned for 32 years. This is I've been in backpacks in the Yukon watching moose on a mountainside and doll sheep. I'm ready to talk about whatever you throw at me. Or do you have to study, get some logistical research going? Do you have to do a forensic audit on the subject matter that you're going to speak about? Or are you just up there winging it and you come across like, man, that girl is so well read? Um. The times that I have been on those national outlets, it's been about topics that I'm so close to that I, I mean, I go in, I was getting, I definitely got prepped on like what they could ask you if there was something controversial going on in the media, if they were to drag that in that had nothing to do with the topic, like that kind of thing. I definitely just make sure I have it in my head of how to just doing reflect those things but as far as the actual topics I mean they've been about bear hunting and conservation if they were to start asking about things that I have no experience in, then yeah I would sit there being like you know tongue-tied but for the most part every time I've ever been on there it was just about getting people outdoors it was about conservation it was about experiences I've been through nothing that you could stump me on because that's how I felt and if anything I was just fired up tenfold because I was able to voice it on a platform like Fox that had never really at that point to my knowledge had anyone 
in my position on there to talk about that kind of thing. And it was just a huge honor and also a, a very big responsibility to make sure that I was standing up for people out there that I was the voice that they just randomly happened to choose at that moment. I was the voice for so many people that love the outdoors and are passionate. And if I messed it up, I was messing up for all the people that were waiting for whatever I was going to say. So, um, I think I was nervous, but yeah, the, the topics were something I've grown up with. I've lived my entire life. So if I'm a co-host on the Fox network that morning and I look at Eva Shockey and say, Eva, I've heard it thrown around by a lot of people that kill animals. They call themselves hunters and gatherers. But I also hear these hunters tell me, Eva, that they are the, that hunters are the world's greatest conservationists. Eva, is that a fair statement? And can you give me some validity of why hunters continuously spew that out of their mouths, that there's no conservationist like a hunter and do you agree with that, Eva? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, those aren't necessarily the type of questions that they ask on there. But yeah, that that is like everybody else. I mean, saying that hunters are the number one biggest conservation group in the planet is true. Uh, we raise more money for conservation than anyone through all the tags and the licenses and the ammo taxes and all that. Like the Robertson Act, I mean, alone has caused so many positive differences in the world and populations of animals and things like that. If I was going into an interview, I mean, right off the top of my head, I don't even know the exact staff like figures, which really at the end of the day, doesn't matter because no one really wants to listen to numbers. I think just knowing that thinking that hunters just kill and don't have any remorse and hunters don't like animals. I think that's the topic that gets me fired up more than anything else because if anything, it's the complete opposite. And can you imagine, can you imagine the planet without hunters right now and where so many, I mean, elk and duck and deer populations would be sitting without us there to support it at the front lines, like for since the beginning of time. But we also kill them and we take them out of the ecosystem. Isn't that bad? Absolutely not. I mean, that gets you, you can kind of go a hundred different directions, but gets you into the topic of do people eat meat? Do people wear leather? Do people sit on leather seats in their car? Do they have leather shoes and leather belts? And those are all animals. And if you think about not even thinking twice about a hamburger they're eating on your plate that that animal had to die. And people think you have to go to the grocery store to get your meat. Whereas us as hunters, that is what we're doing. We're going straight to the source and connecting the dots and making sure that we understand and appreciate the animal it came from in respect to what we're eating every single meal. And for us, me personally, I wild game six nights a week, probably. And those six nights a week, we talk about it and think about it and reflect back and I can't even imagine if we didn't have those stories to talk about as a family so it's just sort of a I mean a big circular thing 365 days a year even though the hunt only lasts a little bit of time the lifestyle of hunter and outdoorsman and conservationists and spending time as a family and unplugging I mean that's an ongoing annual thing that I've done my whole life and I know a lot of other hunters are in the same boat when you bring up stories and memories in your, in your, in your table talk with your family, when your dad was on the podcast, we talked about the documentation that the Shockey family has been able to achieve over the last 20 years and how important that is to him. And they just did this thing in Vegas where they did kind of like a highlight reel of your grandpa. Um, how important it is to you when you look back and, and you can go into that library and pull those out. And when your daughters are old enough to understand, and they might be already, but 
here, here's your great grandpa. And here was what we were doing way before you were ever even thought of, of coming into the Shockey family. How important is that to have? And how close do you hold that to your heart? Cause there's a lot of people out there that, Oh, that's just another season in the books. Now it's time to move on to season 12 and get the episodes ready for the network. And it's we're getting more social media content. And it's just like this ongoing machine of constant engulfed content do you sit back and pump the brakes and go, man, I'm going to have such an unbelievable amount of footage of my family at my fingertips for so many years to come? A hundred thousand percent. That might be one of my favorite things that has come from all of this. And again, if tomorrow, if everything crumbles, we've got <laughs> personal home videos that everyone else treats as a TV show, but literally what you're saying to me, they're my home videos and my family and memories that I would never have otherwise. And my grandfathers, I was very, very close to them. And at the time I was young enough. I don't know if I totally understood the concept that we were capturing all those memories in a portal that would never go anywhere. But now that they've been gone for eight years, it's something that just melts my heart. I have that forever and ever. And you're right. My daughter and my son, they both will have that going forward. Even that also my dad, myself and my dad, having those memories for the last 12 years, I mean, earlier, but 12 years when I was really hunting with them and traveling with them, being able to see that transition and the relationship grow and how much time we got together that we never you know, we never would have had otherwise. We didn't have a lot of time before I got into hunting together because he was so into hunting and I wasn't into hunting and there just wasn't a lot of crossover. So that that's allowed us to um, form a bond that I never expected to have. And now we're super, super close. I have all that footage and memories and my mom and my brother and all the trips. And I mean, it's just, that stuff is easy to forget the details. And so having the footage is I mean, it's been a job and a career for our family and a family business, but it's incredible that we have that to take away from it. So with that takeaway, do you ever Clark Griswold it in Christmas vacation when he makes his way up to the attic and finds the old reel tapes and starts watching old family Christmas videos <laughs> with all of this access that you have to all these family memories? Do you capitalize on it right now? of sitting down and taking time to watch them and to rethink them and, and to think about grandpa and, and see him again? Or is it just something that when it's there, it'll be there if I ever want to watch it kind of deal? Right this second, we don't have a lot of time <laughs> to do stuff like that. We've got a eight month old baby and a three year old and two full time jobs. So I can't say we watch it very often. I do have access to it and I will go back and see it. Usually it'll start from something that I need to pull. Like I need to pull a shot from something or a photo from something and I'll start going back into the archives. And that's one of those like black holes that you keep going and going. And I just will be sitting there crying, looking at old stuff. I also have kind of goes hand in hand with video footage and content creation. I have 130,000 photos on my phone. I'm like a photo freak. I've taken photos of everything my whole life and it's just carried along in my phone. So that is an extension of that. We have, I have all my old trips in folders categorized and I can see the minute I want to go see my grandfather's, I can go back in 30 seconds and find some of my favorite photos. So that's, and my daughter knows she'd never had met them. They passed away eight years ago, but she knows which one's which and, you know, stories about them and stuff about them. And that's pretty cool. And also, I mean, we still watch our shows on outdoor channel or on my outdoor TV. And my daughter will sit there because my family, my parents are in Canada and we're in North Carolina and she'll be like, there's Bubba shooting a moose. And she'll be in on the, in on the episode. And it's, yeah, it's pretty, I don't, she obviously doesn't 
really get it, but it's pretty cool to see her brain trying to compute why how she's watching her grandfather on TV and her mom or her dad or whoever's on there. So with family in the transition and the in the evolution of family, has it been a hard transition? And I know it has a lot to do with meeting your husband and moving down to the States and everything, but has it been a hard transition to leave home? And, 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 and then in that answer with, you don't get to travel as much anymore with your dad on a lot of the trips. I would assume this. I mean, you can't when you have mm-hmm. two kids and once in a while you get away. Has, and I know family evolves and life goes on, but has it been hard for you emotionally to look back at those videos and be like, man, I wish I could still just jump in a plane and go hook up with dad. And I'm sure you could, but it's a lot harder now. It's a lot more. There's a lot more moving pieces, I should say. Yes, you couldn't be more spot on. I'm not going to lie. My life right now, I am so grateful. We had a hard time having kids and we have two beautiful, amazing little humans and an awesome husband and jobs. But it, that's a just being totally transparent. That is a feeling I have constantly because it's in my soul to take adventures and travel and do things that are like, you know, hard and away and in the mountains. That's that's all I've really ever known and what I've done for a third of my whole life. and. I'm at a stage with two little babies and I'm the mom. It's so strange because I'm, I mean, we're pretty fairly traditional in our family. Like I want to be the mom and I want to be there with my kids. Also want to be at the top of that mountain with the moose. And it's really hard to find the balance. And I, I just say, I mean, the moose aren't going anywhere. The mountains aren't going anywhere, but missing this stage of my kids is going somewhere. And I I don't want to be, don't want to regret not being there for that. But Tim and I, my husband, I'll talk about fairly often like this. I'm going to give it a couple of years. I just, I just slow down a little bit. I mean, I still love it. I still shoot my bow. I still shoot guns. I still do what I can, but I have a family. And I think the cool thing about the position I've been able to get my in is that the following that that. So my job, for before I had kids, I was thinking once I have kids, I guess I'm going to be kind of like <laughs> sent out to pasture because no one wants to see that. But it actually was the opposite because people before were like, oh, that's cool what she does. She's like in Africa, over the world doing cool trips. That's fun to follow her. But once I had the kids, they were like, oh, we actually can grab onto something there. We have something to relate to. We have kids. We're tired. We're trying to go shooting our bows during nap time. We're trying to make food for our family. So it's been interesting to the transition of, um, yes, I would love to be on the mountain, but not being on the mountain all the time has made people understand me better. And I understand other people better. And it's made me appreciate being on the mountain a lot more. So when I do get a chance to go, I am like, hallelujah. Thank you, God. <laughs> this is the best day of my life. <laughs> And you see that, you see that in your content when you do get to go on that trip and you see like the suitcases have expanded to this many now and you have a stroller and it's like, it's a totally different mindset and you're ultra organized, but you're just like, what am I forgetting? Did I pack my broadheads? Is is my license up to date? Am I going to get across the border? Did I get, did I, did I forget my passport? Like all of this (laughs) stuff. And, and, and there's just so much going on. What about when you were growing up and you watched your mom with your dad going to these, like the most whacked out destinations in the world for a hunter to be in like places to where I would never even consider going. I think Arkansas is a destination for my duck hunting, right? <laughs> your dad is, is, is in crazy spots. And I'd had this conversation with your dad, Jim, but I just told you your dad's name in case you missed that. In case you forgot his name is Jim. <laughs> <Got it? laughs> I had a conversation with your dad, Eva. And I asked him, I said, you know, being away, I remember a quote by Jim Shockey and he couldn't remember where he said it, but your dad at one time said the road is lonely. What about the other side of it when your dad would leave your mom and as in love as they are and they are, and they always have been, 
Was it a worry? Did she worry for, like just nonstop? Like haven't heard from your dad. Is he, did he, is he on a mountain? Was there a lot of worry there or was there always just a trust in the it, trust, the process and love would bring us back together as far as, because your dad's not a normal hunter. He doesn't hunt in normal. He's just not going in a tree stand or getting in a box plant in mm-hmm. Saskatchewan or a tree stand in Illinois. He's doing some really rogue stuff. So how much of a worry and a burden was that on your mom? You think? You know, I never really noticed it. I think it took me a long time to even realize it was weird or different than most people. It took me into my 20s to be like, wait a minute, this is a sort of a strange family dynamic, but I never understood that. They are the happiest couple I've ever met. My mom is just a saint, like an absolute saint. And I think at the end of the day, she has complete trust for my dad as a person, but also knows that my dad's personality and his passionate soul about the outdoors and hunting there's no way she ever could have in a million years tried to not want him to go do whatever it is he was passionate about doing. So I think that gave her peace and knowing like, this is his choice there. He's got this handled. He can't be doing anything else. This is what, this is what he was born to do, what God put him on this planet to go do with his life. And I think, like you said, you just kind of trust the process and you know that that's where he's meant to be. And he is the most, I mean, he's so smart. He's, he's organized. He's deliberate. He's careful. He's cautious. I mean, as much as you can be when you're on in Tajikistan or wherever he would be. Um, And he called my mom every single day that he was on a trip from a satellite phone, no matter where he was every night before he'd go to bed, he'd call her. And I just remember being like, that is crazy. But I guess if you have a relationship like that, where one person is on the road so much, you just need to have that touch point. So he would call her every day and I mean, they're just so happy and they loved it. And it was a pretty cool way to experience. And if if anything, that's what being, I'm more like my dad in that sense. I just like being gone and traveling and adventures, but then I'm also the mom. So I'm kind of the combination of the two of them. He was the dad. So he left and my mom didn't want to leave. So she was a stay-at-home mom. I'm like, I want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I want to be the dad traveling on the mountains. And I kind of just want to do all the things. I guess there's a time and a place for everything. But won't Brant, your husband, be the saint like you just said your mom was? And when the kids, I mean, (laughs) I have a daughter. And for the first few years, it was mommy, mommy, mommy. But now dad and daughter are tight. So, like, we're attached at the hip, right? She's hunting. She's blown a duck call. She shot her first duck on the youth hunt in February. She's eating wild game every day. She's learning how to cook. We're going with the, with the quarantine. We're doing a lot of physical education, a lot of home ec stuff, cooking and butchering and processing and exercising. Isn't Eva going to get that? Isn't that feeling going to come over you where I got to go? And then is he going to be the same? Be like, don't worry. I got the girls. You go to Tajikistan and get your sheep done and we'll be here waiting for you. See how hard that would be. Like your dad is leaving you and your brother, your mom, who he is in like engulfed with. He told me the story of how he hunted her down in the ballet studio, which is, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but the story's awesome. And yeah, it is awesome. so anyway, I think that you know, would, would it, do you think it would ever get there to where you're going to have to say, Hey kids, I'm, I'm going to go on a, a, a month long road trip right now. Could you do that? Like your dad was able to with the support, yeah. assuming that your husband's going to support that. Well, I mean, the stay at home is not for him. <laughs> the 24 seven with kids, every snaps and crackers, everywhere. not his thing. Loves kids to death. And kind of like you, him and my daughter are tight, which actually drives me crazy because they are so close and so 
I'm usually with the baby because I mean, I'm the mom and just happen to be with the baby. So he goes with my daughter, Lenny, who's three and they go and, you know, do more of the outdoorsy stuff, but I'm like trying to get dinner ready and all this. And she thinks that he's the one that's like the one that's going to take her hunting. I'm like, no, 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 no. I gave all that up for you. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, girl. So we're still, we're working out the details. Um, at this stage, I have, I have no interest in going for a month. I, what I would love to do which is Tim and I have talked about a lot. We want to bring our family. I grew up traveling with my family. It wasn't, yeah, my dad went on trips and absolutely more so, more so as we got older, like into high school when you can't, you're so busy with school, you can't really travel a ton. So that's when he started traveling on those big trips. Early years, my only memories are going on family trips and not like fancy resort trips, but like a cabin in the woods or a trailer that we drive for to Mexico to mountains, like stuff like that. And that's what Tim and I would love to do if we get the opportunity because we want to bring our kids along and teach them all the stuff that we love. And not, I really don't have, I love a week here or there. Like I'd love to go to the Yukon and that's not really something to bring a three-year-old to at this stage, but I would love in the big picture just to do a little bit more adventure seeking. <laughs> now that now that we have the two babies, Earthside, so my son is eight months. So like in the next, you know, year, two years, hopefully we'll have a little bit more freedom to bring everybody, get a trailer and hitch it up and just go. All right. Some Eva Shockey questions, just so the audience knows what kind of girl you really are. You get some downtime. The kids are taking a nap. It's workout time. You got your headphones on. What's the, what's the music or what's the specific song playing? Oh, I do mostly on the Peloton. Um, I listen to country all the time, but I'm not going to lie. When I work out, it's like hip hop. <laughs> it's got to get me, got to get me riled up. And usually, I mean, Peloton, you can choose different rides based on different music. So I'll listen to like R&B or hip hop or anything that is hip-hop. high intensity. Hip- Eva Shockey listens to rap music. Mm-hmm. Gangster, gangster, out, yeah. gangster, gangster rap or like the clean version? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends if my kids are around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Eva, 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 Shockey, Eva Shockey goes for a snack in the middle of the day. Are you a cheat meal girl? Do you ever cheat when nobody's looking? Do you think that balance is everything in nutrition and diet? I see. I know you're part of a mutual partner of ours as well, Mountain Ops. You drink the greens. You do the kale. You do the a lot of the things that we do. But are you a cookie monster? Are you an ice cream freak? Um, what is your snack of choice? And what is your cheat meal of choice? Um, I am all about balance. I can't count macros. I cannot tell myself I'm eating one hardcore way and not cheating. Like I just that's not how my brain works. As soon as I do that, I'm like, all I want is the thing that I didn't even really want before, but now that I'm taught myself. So, um, we are very much healthy. Definitely. I mean, we, my husband was a former athlete and I've just always been healthy, but we eat, if we want snacks and treats, we have them. Although I try to get the healthier version. So I always make mountain up smoothies every morning. I have collagen in my coffee. I try to cover my bases so that I have the nutrients and stuff I need. And then when I'm like, Oh, but now I want something. We actually just found this brand called smart sweets. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it's like candy. I'm a candy. So I guess to answer your question, I don't really care about ice cream. Don't care about donuts and pizza, but like candy is my thing. Chocolate candy or like hard candies. No, like gummy, gummy candy, gummy gummies. Okay. But we found a brand that makes gummy candies that are like super healthy for you. So those have been just going down in our house. Um, yeah, they taste really good. (laughs) I know. Crazy, right? Okay. With as close as Jim Shockey and his daughter, Eva, are, no secret, you can see it. You guys have awesome banter. You have an unbelievable, um, just a love for each other. You're a daddy's girl in a lot of ways, according to the TV show. 
Tell us about the first time, the, the physical meeting of your dad. Did he pull your husband's shirt over his head and beat him up hockey style? Did he challenge him in an ice skating match? Did he challenge him in a, in a shooting the puck off? Or did he um, challenge him in swimming because your dad is known as a great swimmer? What did he challenge him in or how was it? Are they competitive with each other or was your dad so accepting from the beginning? Oh my gosh, they are so competitive. I'm trying to think, I actually don't recall the first time they met, but we, when we got engaged, I'm trying to, there's a couple instances, they're so competitive. My dad was a former athlete and then Tim was a more recent former athlete. So my dad thinks he's still like just as competitive and he's like mentally competitive, but Tim is, I mean, he's 36 now. So he's like, was in his peak in his athletic years a couple of years ago. So my dad tries to beat him at everything, but honestly swimming, he could beat him, but they've never swam against each other. But Tim, my dad loves golfing. And so that's kind of his thing, but Tim was a hockey player. So he's so good at golf. So he beats my dad in golf so bad. And my, and every single time my dad just like trash talk, talks in the whole round. And also my dad acts tough, but he's like such a big teddy bear. He, when Tim was proposing to me, my dad thought he knew it was coming. So he had in his mind, he told us later, he was going to just be like, lay down the law. Here's the thing, this, 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 Tim started asking and my dad started crying, <laughs> which he does not admit. He says he didn't, but Tim's like, no, he absolutely had tears, <laughs> tears in his eyes. So that's, that's who my dad is. I mean, he loves to compete, but at the end of the day, it's usually for fun especially with someone like Tim that I think deep down, he knows it's going to be real tough to beat him. <laughs> so with your upbringing and your livelihood, you're around a lot of guys. It's a, it's kind of guys camp a lot of the time, right? You're growing up, you're around mm -hmm. your dad's guides, you're at shows. It's probably really mellow. And, and then once you start getting this voice, more girls, you're getting more girls involved in the outdoors. But with all, with you being into your maybe mid twenties, when you meet your husband, what did he have that was so special that lands Eva Shockey? How does he even get a first date? How does he even have the guts to act for a first date when the, the man with the six foot four man with the black cowboy hats lurking over her? How, how does he, how does this all come about? I think being around my dad for so long, I mean, my standards were like through the roof. There was just no messing around. There was no there was no question that I had to find someone that was going to be, I mean, most people like their dad. I didn't, don't think I did it on purpose. It's just I'm like, my dad's this incredible, amazing human being. And there's just no one else that is going to, I'm going to settle for until I find someone like that. And Tim, he is just, I don't even know. He's like, my dad's like, God literally created Tim for you. Like there was no question that me and Tim were meant to meet. We met on a fluke weekend in Raleigh. I was there last minute for a work trip. I wasn't supposed to be there. He was there playing hockey and he came to the show I was at and we met for a minute. Um, I don't even know how to put into words. He's just awesome. He, everyone falls in love with him. He's like quiet and calm. And as my parents say, he knows when to keep me in line. Like he's easy going, but not a pushover, which is what I need. <laughs> you got to stand up to me, but you have to probably not compete with how much I talk. Um, so he's incredible. Him and my dad are super close. My mom adores him. I swear they would trade me in for him in a minute if it came down to it. Oh, I don't know about that. Now, what about <laughs> what about his relationship with your brother? Has it been awesome from the beginning? Or was your brother yeah, really protective? Uh, no, my, like, my brother is the sweetest soul in the entire yeah, university. He so awesome. Um, they are very different just in personalities, but they get along really great. They have a lot in common. Um, we don't see my brother a lot, which is kind of stinks. We don't really see 
everyone that often because we're in North Carolina and everyone else is in Canada from my husband's Canadian as well. He's from Ontario. So we don't see our family as much as we would like, but um, yeah, he's, he's incredible. We actually, we went on our first date in May and in July, we moved to Russia together for two years. So like, if that gives you an idea, I was like, Hey, I met this new guy here. This is Tim. Nice to meet you. We're moving to Russia for two hockey seasons. My parents were like, I'm sorry. What? What? <laughs> sorry, what'd you say? What? <laughs> um, but I think, and again, just like Tim was meant for me, I don't know that there's another girl on the planet that at 26 or whatever I was would have been like, okay, yeah, I'll move to Russia for two years. It was just you all just I did was traveled and like, what's the difference in Russia, Canada, US, you know, it's all the same. So we packed up and moved to Russia and found out real quick, we were either going to be meant for each other or not meant to be together. And we clearly were meant for each other and it has worked out great. And everything since then, we use it all the time. We say, if we lived in Russia for two years together in a tiny little apartment with nothing, no family, no friends, no one that spoke English, like we can get through anything. Yeah, <laughs> and we really have relied on that for a lot. Well, good for you guys. I'm proud for you. I know that there's got to be something. There's got to be a lot of things probably, but your dad and you don't see eye to eye on everything. There's just no way. And I would assume that one of the things you don't see eye to eye on with your dad is that he says that bear meat is good to eat. And I said, Jim, you're crazy. And he says, I dare you to find a better meat than bear. And I said, no problem. Seven days a week, I'll smoke any bear recipe that you have. He said, come up, see the museum. We'll have a cook off. Eva, there's no way that bear is good to eat. Tell me that I'm right. Okay. I think for a backstory, my dad thinks the weirder the food, the better. So he will literally look at the menu and try to find the weirdest thing that no one else would order. And that's what he'll order. He's just, I mean, I saw a picture on Facebook the other day. He posted, he was eating grubs, like what Timon and Pumbaa eat from the bushes. I mean, I don't even know. So I think my dad, I don't know the context of the conversation. Uh, bear meat is good, can be good, but absolutely. Do I think it's the best? Well, game? not so much. I mean, elk, axis deer, regular deer, moose, caribou. I could name a lot of things before bear, but bear is good and it's wild game. And at the end of the day, if that's what you have, there's a lot of good recipes that could make it taste good. I would say. All right. I'm, I'm not reading in. I'm not, I'm going to read, I'm not going to read into that. Like I want to read into it. I'll just leave it alone. But I would say that talking to your dad, the few times that I have, and I think he's great. But one thing that I've learned about Jim Shockey is I think he would pass up on the greatest elk steak in the world, medium rare, 133 degrees, internal temperature, reverse seared on the Traeger, awesome dry rub on it. He would walk past that to get to a sushi bar with high end, fresh, raw fish. And I think that he's a I think he has an I think your dad has an addiction, Eva. I really think when he's when he's at SCI in my hometown, he ate sushi like six nights in a row. And I'm like that's not normal. And he's like, Oh, it's very normal. Yeah. But you have to think about, so he spent the last decade plus, I mean, decade is when he was really in the bulk of his crate, like traveling 310 days a year. So 310 days a year, he was in a hunting camp around the world or in an airport eating wild game or stew basically is what every hunting camp, like the fancy hunting camps that you and I might've gone to at some point, those are, you know, they probably don't have stew, but the ones he goes to in Tajikistan, they have slosh. That's like, whatever meat that they hunted or animal that they froze or whatever, that's what he ate. So when he comes home, he's like, I'm probably good on the wild game for a little bit. He does love it. My mom is an incredible cook. She does not hunt, never has, never will, but she's great at cooking. And so she'll prepare wild game and they'll eat it a fair bit, but 
he, you're absolutely right. He will eat sushi or seafood or something like that. And I think he's probably just still trying to get over those <laughs> decade or two <laughs> decades where that's all he ate, 90% of his meals. Are you a sushi girl? Oh yeah. Loves to do. We're from oh the West coast. So we grew up with a fresh fish, uh, like the West coast of Canada, fresh fish and going prawning every day. And they still do that. It makes me so jealous. My dad, they always have fresh prawns. Um, and tons and tons of sushi and yeah i definitely am but living in north carolina it's not quite as prevalent as it's here and we have it but not like not like my dad <laughs> i've had really good sushi at a place in downtown charlotte that had some really creative chefs and they had bruce lee movies playing on the walls like you could watch nunchucks and all these karate moves going off it was a really <laughs> cool really cool vibe one of the first conversations i've had like two conversations with you my whole life one and i don't know if you remember was in regina saskatchewan we were at a Cabela's grand opening and you and I and Matt Hughes and a couple other folks went to a UFC fight that night after the ribbon cutting and the grand opening of the Cabela's and your appearance. Do you remember the Matt Hughes conversation we had that night about fighting and any of that stuff? Do you remember that night at <laughs> no. all? See, isn't it crazy? Like you go so many places and you have so many that. conversations. I remember, we died. I remember seeing you and talking to you, but I don't remember this situation at all. Yeah. So we had a really cool conversation that night about Matt Hughes uh, his, you, it was like gorilla strength that he had like farm boy strength and how he was like telling the people on the screen, just pick him up and slam him the way that Matt, I didn't, I didn't think that you would remember the last question that I'm going to ask you is a, a 12 year old. No, I'm going to say my daughter, nine years old, Alyssa Riley. She's eaten up. She loves swimming. She loves outdoors. She loves lake. She loves backpacking. She loves hike. She loves hunting. She blows a duck call. She loves eating wild game. If that girl doesn't have the mentor like she's growing up with and you see that look in their eyes, what do you tell somebody knowing what you know now? How do you tell that girl what? And I don't you don't have to be elaborate on it. But what's the first couple steps that somebody can take of getting infatuated with the outdoors? Obviously, I think the easiest way, like you're saying, is to have anybody to show you the ropes, to physically be there and to hold your hand metaphorically or actually and bring you out and say, this is what we do. This is why I love it. This is you sit here and you look for this kind of thing and you watch for that and you enjoy the elements of nature. That to me is how I grew up. That's how a lot of people can learn it. If there's nobody, it doesn't have, the thing is it doesn't have to be every single day. It doesn't have to be your immediate family or your father or your mother or your sibling. It can be a neighbor or an uncle or an aunt or just someone that has done it. I think that's, the best way to really see the passion through somebody else. And that's how I got it. I was like, this guy, my dad is obsessed with this stuff. What, like, what is it about this that he loves and seeing his passion is what sparked my passion. Um, if you have no one like that, and obviously there's a lot of people out there that are in that situation. I mean, honestly, I, I aim them towards places like go to Cabela's, go to Bass Pro, not so much because you don't have to just go and buy stuff. You go and see the animals. You go talk to the outfitters that are behind the gun counter in the bow range. You ask them to let you shoot a bow and see what it's like. You ask them to teach you. I mean, they're there for that. That's something that I love. I send people there all the time. If you can find a local, I mean, a nine-year-old, you'd obviously need some kind of parent or somebody to bring you, but a local chapter of something like a conservation chapter, SCI, that's unlimited. Any of those things where there's like-minded people there. I think once you get your foot in the door with any of those places, people are just going to welcome you. That's just how we are. That's how people in the outdoor industry, we all want more people to enjoy it and love it and respect it. And then at the end of the day, if you have social media or access to it, 
there's a lot of bad, I guess you could say, and it's a little bit scary. So maybe that person also needs a parent to just monitor who they're looking at or whatever the rule is in their family. But there's a lot of really good spokespeople. Um, I take that. I would hope that every single day a nine-year-old could log onto my page and their parent wouldn't have to think twice that whatever I'm talking about is appropriate and motivational. And they can go to my blog and read up on certain articles or see photos or see that I'm doing it. And I'm a girl and I love all those other things too, but I love the outdoors, but there's a lot of other incredible, inspiring people and brands. I mean, Mountain Ops, for example, Rihanna Carey, like so many people that are just doing such incredible things that are showing girls like that, that you can grow up and do this stuff. And it's awesome. And it's a lifestyle and it's a career and you can pay your bills and you can live it every single day with a little passion that you think you have right now at nine years old, it can grow and develop. So there's a lot of ways. I mean, I'd love to reach out and just hug all those girls and bring all of them. And I, my favorite thing is doing events and appearances and meeting girls. If I could do one and have like the rule of just be, you have to be a girl under the age of like 16, I would just be in heaven. Cause those, those are my, that's my jam seeing girls like that and being able to hopefully say something to them that they'll remember. I mean, it's two minutes of my time and it's something that they, I've often had them come back and say, you told me this when I was nine and here's a picture of us. And I lived by that. And I did this, this, and this, and it just, it's the greatest seeing them take that passion and run with it. You're awesome. Eva shock. You're one of a kind. I'm proud to have you as an ambassador and a voice for my daughter. I know a lot of fathers would say the same thing. A lot of mothers would say the same thing. Your mom and dad did an unbelievable job of raising you. You have an unbelievable outlook. You're well-spoken and I take pride in being able to sit down and and ask you a few questions. I hope we can do it again. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you up to send my daughter a signed book because I would love to have that in her collection in her room. And I wish you the best of luck. And I can't wait to schedule another one of these, maybe around hunting season to see what you and the old man, your husband are laying down. (laughs) And um, I'm going to text your dad today and tell him that uh, I got Eva to agree with me that bear meat sucks. And that's how we're going to end this conversation. I'm just kidding, Eva. I'm not going to, I am going to text your dad to say that and, and tell him that we had a heck of a time and that I truly enjoyed his daughter. So thank you very much for being who you are. Keep doing it and stay safe right now. And when this quarantine's over, I will look forward to seeing you in Salt Lake City at the next Traeger event. Yes, absolutely. I cannot wait. I just want life to get back to normal. All right, cool. We'll hang out. I appreciate it. Tell everybody hello. And I, uh, like I said, thank you very much for being who you are, Eva Shockey. That's Eva so Sh- Thank you so much. That's another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Y'all check out Eva Shockey. Is it at Eva Shockey on Instagram? Yeah, at Eva Shockey on everything, evashockey.com. Tell your daughters and sons to follow her page. Learn how to cook wild game. Get family engulfed, enriched, live the culture. She's a great voice of it. And remember that we are not entitled to this lifestyle. It is a privilege and it can be taken away at any time. So please... Hold the flag high, carry it with pride, be a great ambassador and a great spokesperson. Even if you don't represent brands, represent yourself in a healthy, ethical way when you're in the outdoors. Have a ton of compassion and a lot of respect for the resource. Eva Shockey, thank you. We will be back with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody very soon. Tom, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole. Riches Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone